C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Good evening, everyone. Or maybe it's morning where you're listening. Maybe it's the afternoon. Maybe you're driving in your car. I don't know. But we're happy you're here. Welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast with my co-host, Pat Picciarelli. How you doing? And our millennium. Our millennium. <laughs> Megan Horn. How are you, Jeremy? We're all together. That's what counts. We got a hot show. First, we're going to ask a lot of answer a lot of mailbag questions. I know that. I've been looking forward to this, actually. Yeah, we got a lot of mailbag questions to answer today. Good. Let's let it happen. Let's do All it. All right. Let's get into it. First, we have a message from Darrell. Darrell says, Hi, Megan, Pat, and Gianni. I'm Darrell from Long, from Long Island. First off, I'm jealous of Megan for getting to do this every week. I binge the show at work, and it's therapeutic because I love history, and I'm infatuated with organized crime. The chemistry you three have is on point. Pat has a great sense of humor, and Gianni is my new uncle. I would like Mr. Gianni to elaborate on the business endeavors between the Italian-Americans and African-Americans, including the number rackets and narcotics. I'm looking forward to the next mailbag. My book is on the way as well. Oh, good. You're writing a book. Congratulations. <laughs> you should have got Pat I think he means he ordered your book. Oh, my book. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. His copy of your book. Oh, okay, good. I'm done. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear that. Well, uh, so what, uh, well Pat, Pat and I know a lot about the uh, organizations of using the black community, especially in Harlem. They made movies about it. The Cotton Club, there was a lot of great stuff out there. But uh, the Genovese family, up in, and Pat Tony Salerno took advantage of it. And then the Bonanno family took advantage of it because they were dealing drugs before the Gambinos even wanted it to happen. So, I mean, uh, what, uh, Pat, you could elaborate on that, too. You were on the job during that time. Yeah, uh, a little bit of history. Uh, a, a little bit before I came on the job, a guy by the name of Bumpy Johnson got out of prison, and uh, he invented the numbers racket uh, uh, for his people up in Harlem. That right. was going to be their crimes, their, their profit, their world, and... Uh, Bumpy became quite wealthy, and these people that lived up there were uh, middle class, lower middle class, poor, but you could bet pennies on the numbers. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, just for our audience to know, if you bet a nickel on a number, five cents, you get a return $26. 600 to one. Yep, so housewives, everybody was betting numbers. We were making about... I, I remember in the in one day I just asked, I don't know why I would, but in the 50s, we were taking in a loan about $15,000 just in that area a well, day. The profit, the profit is tremendous because right. it's a three-digit number, which makes the odds 999 to 1, and uh, the, the, the policy banks are paying 600 to 1. Right. So they can't lose. Yeah. I mean, let's say... Everybody decides that day they're going to play the winning number. Same number. Yeah. <laughs> but what, we, you know, what we did when we used to call overloads, we, we, we'd send out a message: don't take anything on that number. And, and then you know they could box that number for twenty-five yeah. cents. So the whole combination, you'll get it no matter how it comes out in order. Explain, Johnny, to the uninitiated what boxing means. What they'll do is, uh, first of all, the number is it's and the the reason. They set it up this way. There's no way to set it up where you win. You can, I mean, you can't. You can't fix it. Can't fix it. Okay. It's the last three numbers of the total handling of a racetrack that is running during that day, closest to your geographical location. That's the total bet. The last three numbers of the day. So, so they can't fix it. They can't fix it. It's impossible. But, you know, a housewife, for a nickel to get $26, her husband was working for $26 a week at that time. So explain what the boxing is for people who don't know. Yeah, you'll take a number, like, let's say 374. You, any way it comes out, can 743, any combination of it, they box it and they win. So it's a better odds for you, but you are betting five more times. 
It's, it's 20, we would never box a number for 20 cents. We'd take the extra nickel for 25 cents. But it sounds like nothing, and that's why it, it got so big, because everybody was involved with it. You'd have to be rich. It could be anybody. But and, thousands and thousands of people playing in numbers every day. Every day. And then the interesting thing, too, which most people don't know, what we, what we started to do later on in life, not me, I was just a runner, <laughs> but we would do the total handling of each race. So you could bet if there's seven races at Aqueduct, you could bet the number for seven races. <laughs> now you're talking about a lot of money. But interesting business. But then that was all taken away from the blacks under the, they, they uh, well, you could tell them, Pat, you know the history of it. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask you that because I'm not too up on it. I mean, I was up there, I worked in the tactical control force. That was where we were, East and West Harlem. And, you know, this is all going on. What I'm not familiar with is to what extent, if extent at all, did the Italians try to take over the numbers racket in Harlem? They took it all. Okay, that answers that question. That's what the Cotton Club was about. They, they okay. told them they needed protection. They thought they didn't. They killed a couple of their people. They started raiding and having cops raid their numbers, banks, where the money was. And then they called them back in. And they said, now, do you think you need protection now? <laughs> no, it, it wasn't very, not very nice, but, you know. Numbers are still prevalent. Oh, you know, still, huge. Nobody's betting pennies anymore. But no. But, but the interesting thing, see, most people thought in the history of bookmaking that OTB, off-track betting, that New York State started, this would stop all the illegitimate betting. But what OTB didn't realize, if I'm your bookmaker, you don't pay me till the end of the week. At OTB, you had to walk in and lay your bet with cash. Most of these people don't even have any cash until their paycheck. Well, not that. With OTB, you had to pay taxes on it. Right. I mean, who wants to pay taxes? That's not the American way. I'm just thinking, we're getting very elaborate on one question. We have a whole mailbag. There you go. We're doing well, a whole I'll show. Ask you a question. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> next question, please, Meg. All right. We're on doing a 90-minute special tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is from Jen. Jen says, how do I get my hands on some Gianni singing Italian? My family has mafia ties to the Brunos. That was my maiden name. With the murder of my great-great-grandfather, I have always been fascinated by my Sicilian roots. But everyone stays quiet, so I don't know much. Love the podcast and the book. You guys are great. Thank you. Well, Philly had everything. Bruno. They had all the Italian Martino. They had everybody over there. I mean, they can get anything. Go, go on iTunes. How, how do you get your music? Go on iTunes. It's called Reflection. It's Frank Sinatra's yeah. orchestra also. Yeah, that's a great album. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Is, it is. is. Is this selling more since we've got this podcast? Do you know? I don't know that. <laughs> I don't look at I, I wait for the yearly returns. <laughs> How long has that been out? Oh, wow. my God. Jeez. 20 years? Yeah, man. Yeah, a while. It's been out. It's, I, I, the good news, I bought all... I, most people don't realize, I bought the rights to that music. So I have it licensed for as long as I keep it in that album. So I think the album, eventually, even the soundtrack for our television show, I want to use it. Because the orchestra, 28-piece Frank Sinatra orchestra. I mean, the so well, you listen to it, Pat, the, the solos. Sure. That's the, great, yeah. The horn solos, mm -hmm. and you don't listen to that kind of music anymore. But That's thank true. you for asking, my darling. Just <laughs> go to iTunes, Reflections by Johnny Russo. I know. All right. <laughs> Next one is from Dan. Dan says, hey, Gianni, in the book you mentioned your 1995 sit-down with Chin Giganti, John Gotti, and Patty Rose over the intellectual property lawsuit, but Gotti had gone to prison for life in 92. Right. Was it his son that was at the sit-down? Thanks it, for your time, Dan. No, it was his brother. His son, <coughs> his son was the 11th, 95, <laughs> I don't even know. No, I, no, no. It, it was the, the Gotti family. And that was corrected before, too. I'm surprised our editor didn't catch that. But they interpreted Gotti sitting, Fat Tony Salerno, and Louis Dome. They automatically said it was John because John hated me so much. But see, most mm -hmm. people don't know 
John had a guard's cell phone in prison, and he had it for an hour a night, and he was doing all the daily business from being in prison. And he wanted me bad. What you showed him? Not really. He, he got an abscess in his tooth, and yeah. he got cancer in the jawbone. After 15 mm -hmm. years, they knew it wasn't going to break. Anyway, well, five right. years. All right, next is from Dave. Dave says, I saw your interview with Sean Atwood and immediately ordered your book. What a great read. I took it to show a friend and he asked to borrow it. He told me he never read a book in his life, but opened your book and began to read and couldn't put it down. He finished the whole thing. Don't worry, he's ordering a copy for himself. Keep up the great podcast. I'm trying to catch up. I started listening from the beginning and I can't stop listening every chance I get. Well, we got we got to you know, here's Pat, I, I don't uh, I ever mentioned this story on the air. I was in Vegas many, many years ago. Dean Mart was at a bar. I forgot what hotel I was in. I think it was the Frontier, which is long gone. And we started to talk, and he told me that he never read a book in his life. Right. And that surprised the hell out of me. Well, I, 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 well, I had people read books to me. I never read a book in my life. It would take me a year. And I, if you saw Dean at a bar... It had to be yeah. the Desert Inn, Sands, or the Riviera. The only okay. Two, I, 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 no, I'm saying the only three <laughs> bars you go to. Yeah. No. He, he was a, he was drinking, but he I, I, he was sober as a judge. I mean, he carried it well at least that night. Well, well, if, after one one thirty, had to be late, well, long before that. Maybe between shows you saw. <laughs> yeah, he was pro when it came to drinking. Yeah. But anyway, hmm. moving on. All right, moving on. Next, we have a short but sweet message from Haig. Haig says, I really love listening to you all together. There's a certain respect and admiration the three of you offer to each other that's so welcoming to hear, especially in the midst of today's social discourse. Just wanted to share that. Well, that's very well, nice. Thank you for listening, right. and thank you for the compliment. Yeah, you, you couldn't do a show like this without without the three people getting along. It, it would show. <laughs> that is very well, true. No, but you know, it's so, it's so interesting how the three of us got together and it just worked. We didn't yeah. rehearse something. We didn't say, you do this, I'll do that. And we just did it. So this it's is a conversation. For those of you who haven't seen this isn't, this isn't scripted. This isn't rehearsed. We just uh, meet at five to six. We say, let's go. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> Thank Sounds God. All right. All right. Next is from James. James says, Mr. Gianni, Mr. Patrick, and Miss Megan, I wanted to thank and congratulate you all on the great podcast and information you provide us each week. You guys are doing awesome. I'm currently a police officer with the city of Tampa and wanted to ask Mr. Gianni and Mr. Patrick if they had any interesting stories or information as it relates to organized crime, specifically in the Ybor city. It's Y-B-O-R. Ybor, Ybor, city it's section of Tampa during Prohibition. Also, I thought it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on the HBO TV series Boardwalk Empire on one of your podcasts as Tampa is featured in one of their seasons. Thank you all so much. I really don't know anything about uh, uh, organized crime in Florida, me being a New York kid. How about you? No, and especially during Prohibition. I mean, we were so past that. You know, we're, we're not as old as you think, Pat and I. <laughs> Perhaps, you know. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's been off the air for five years. Right. Uh, but the, that was that was a great show. With oh, yeah. Uh, Terrence, Terrence that, Winter uh, did that. Pardon me? A good friend of mine, Terrence Winter. Yeah, what a great uh, yeah. what a great show. Good show. Big Buck back. Uh, the guy was real. I forgot his name. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic show. I, I, no, I, uh, all the names that we're familiar with were in it. Al, uh, Al Capone and all oh, these yeah. guys. Plus, you know, they write it for dramatic effect. So, right. uh, well, it's the it was writing good. and the and the casting was very good. Yeah. Mm. Moving on. Well, before we do that, I just want to read the rest of his message. Oh, I'm James sorry. James says, "I also that's okay. I also have to give a special thanks to Mr. Patrick for his selfless military service to our country in Vietnam and to the citizens of New York as a law enforcement officer. Thank you, sir. Wow, oh, that's very you. nice. We got to recognize all our men and women in uniform." No matter what uniform they're wearing, police, military, especially in this world we live in today. All right. Next is from Joe. 
Joe says, what are your insights on the supposed plot hole in Godfather 2? When the hit was attempted on Frank in the bar, it is claimed that the hitman, one of the Rosado brothers, Danny Aiello, ad-libbed the line, Michael Corleone says hello, when he wasn't supposed to say anything. Wait. This conflicts with that part of the plot where Michael tells Frank that it was Hyman Roth who wanted Frank dead. Maybe I'm confused that there's a plot hole at all. Can you shed any light on this? Thanks. Well, this is a plot hole. He, he wanted to give the impression that uh, Michael Corleone ordered the hit. You know, but the interesting yeah, thing about Dan, Danny Aiello played that part, and unfortunately just passed. But in Hollywood, we renamed him called Danny Aiego. He wasn't <laughs> supposed to say anything. Nobody would mention who sent the hit up. <laughs> yeah, he's going to kill the guy. Who cares? I know, but this, you never know. Yeah, well, in this case, it wasn't actually a, a plot hole because the guy survived. Right. And went on to think that Michael ordered the hit. Not for long. He was straightened. Yeah. Next. Next one is from David. David says, hey, guys, I love your podcast. I recently started listening and got hooked. Great stories. Question for Gianni. Did you ever know a gangster named Nick Zepetti from Italian East Harlem? He ended up living in Japan and starting a chain of pizza restaurants in Tokyo. I read a bio on him called Tokyo Underworld, and I'm curious if you had any interactions with him in the past. Never, never. I never, I, I never, I mean, uh, see, uh, fortunately for me, my time in Harlem with Genovese people, I was only around bosses, Vito, Pat Tony Salerno, uh, Danny Pagano Sr. I never was with guys in the street. I went, I, I never hung out at Patches. I dropped off and picked up and went home. And that's it. That, that's why All I right. went to jail. All right, next one is from Vincent. Vincent says, I heard Connie Francis's family was mob connected, including a murder. I know she was a Jersey girl. Do you know much about her and her family? I know her whole family. In fact, she married a friend of mine, Izzy Marion. Connie Francis would love to be a gun mall. Anybody that's Italian from that clique in New Jersey, they're all wannabes. They're like the Sopranos in real life. <laughs> Connie Francis's brother was an attorney who ran afoul of the mob and got gunned down in his own driveway. Hello. <laughs> in the yeah, he pissed somebody off. He was yeah. probably going to flip because they had him good. Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up, but I'm glad you knew about it. <laughs> well, it's in my, it's, it, it, it's in uh, Undercover Cop. Uh, yeah. My, oh, it is? Oh, good. good. Yeah, he worked the case. Next. All right. Next from Frank. Hi, great shows as always, and thanks for getting us through a crazy year. The Sun and Summer of Sam, maybe a future podcast. I was around eight. Can the guys weigh in on the tone of New York City? how the Mafia tried to help capture the creep, and any other thoughts and comments they would like to share about New York City at the time, crime, the blackout, etc. Thanks, and stay well. The only thing I really knew about that, you know, every club in Brooklyn, New York, Staten Island, they made it aware, we got to get this guy, because the cops are not going to get him. But you would have never got this guy unless you stood on Lover's Lane. Pat, you probably have more input on it than anybody. Yeah, well, uh, I was hired, uh, this was after the fact, after David Berkowitz got arrested. Uh, I was hired years after, when I, when I retired from the job and became a PI, by Penthouse Magazine to run down a rumor that the Son of Sam Killings was actually a cult uh, with, with uh, quite a few, well, three celebrities involved, Andy Warhol being one of them. Wow. And, uh, the two others. Uh, Long and involved, but anyway, I found what they hired me for was to find a, an alleged videotape that was shot of, of one of the killings. One of the first killings was a woman named uh, uh, Virginia Fluscarucian, Fluscarucian, something like that. Easy anyway, for you to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there was supposed to be a video of that, and that's what Penthouse wanted to prove that there was other people involved in it. I went all the way out to California to run down leads. I spoke to a guy in prison. Long story short, uh, I deemed that story to be true, and the video existed until they found out somebody was looking into it, and then naturally it must have been destroyed. I go back to Penthouse, and I told them what I just told our audience, that I couldn't come up with the video, and they said, well, we, we can't do the story, but I had, 
everything else had a lot of other evidence other than the physical evidence of the video. So they said, no, we can't use you. They, they, they paid me, of course. I wrote a book called Bloodshot Eyes, which is out now, which is based on that case for me being hired by the Pentecost. I fictionalized it. Oh. But I, I was so aggravated that they wouldn't do that story. I mean, I spent like six months on this thing, and I got very good evidence indicating it was a cult. Oh, that wow. Was, uh, uh, so those of you who want to read the inside story of it, Bloodshot Eyes has three words. It's, uh, it's a novel based on that case, and you can get it on Amazon. But uh, that case always fascinated me. But, but let me ask you one question that fascinates me, because you mentioned a couple of people's names that I happen to know. You think they were financing a cult? They weren't financing it. What they were doing, uh, Warhol and uh, two other people, one was a famous uh, uh, photographer that specialized in uh, sadomasochistic photographs, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. They would pick up kids that were coming from the youth jail on uh, Rikers Island. We take a bus off the island, and they just drop these kids off, and they would re recruit them into a sex cult. And that's how the whole thing started. Well, the I interesting thing, those three people that you're talking about used to be uh, Ian Schrager's private party at Studio 54 after midnight. I heard, I heard that. I thought they were just telling stories. Oh, they weren't. And you have to ask yourself also, why did David Berkowitz, who was one of the shooters, uh, I, I got the idea of, of another shooter. I couldn't prove it, so I, I don't want to mention the name. But if you look at the, the composites that the police did of the shooters, one is a tall, skinny guy with long, straight hair. That is not David Berkowitz, if you ever seen pictures of him. Right. He's just the opposite. But anyway, David Berkowitz, when he was caught via uh, a traffic summons, he parked at a parking lot uh, in, a, in front of a fire hydrant, rather, uh, when he was doing his, his last shooting, he pled guilty at arraignment. At arraignment. He's guilty. There's 330 years. And you got to ask yourself why he did that. And the answer is because his, his, uh, his adoptive parents were going to get whacked if he talked. That's what I got out of it. I don't oh, know whether wow. this is true or not. I got a lot of good witnesses. I got statements. I got everything. So, you just, uh, it could be, I could be wrong. So, that, that, they, they were the modern day Epsteins. Oh, they were, they were, they were worse if that's possible. This was, it was a sadomasochistic sexual cult. Huh. Yikes. Moving All right. on. Well, moving on. Next is from Haig. Haig says, one thing that I wanted to bring up, meaning no disrespect, is can each of you address the people who doubt some of these stories? I found a YouTube interview with Al Ruddy from Paramount. The documentary included Gianni, which discusses the infamous meeting with Paramount and Colombo regarding the Italian-American Defamation League's concerns about the script. In the interview, Al Ruddy says Colombo came along with two other guys and he handed him a script. They passed it around and no one was willing to go through all 150 pages. No mention of Gianni, but Al Ruddy in the interview says it was only a matter of taking out the word mafia and a handshake. What can you guys say to the audience that still have doubts about this meeting? Let me tell you what that was all about. All of us had a tremendous relief on June 71 when Joe Colombo got shot and was in a coma for the rest of his life. Because all bets were off the table. They wanted to even forget that Colombo was there, but the press and everybody else was downstairs. They knew we were there. Paramount made them vow, even Ruddy. Ruddy's doing another, they're doing another six-hour miniseries that will come out next year prior to our 50th anniversary. I'm sure it's covered with all vanilla and nobody's names are in it because Paramount Legal at the time, which uh, was owned by, um, oh, I just had the name of my, the company that owned the company at that time. They bought it from Paramount, meaning, you know, they produced The Godfather. They wanted nothing with nobody's names or the families to come back and sue them. So Ruddy, gave me that story and two guys were there and they handed out the script. First of all, the only guy that read the script was um, uh, uh, Barry Schlotnick. The other guys can't read, me being one of them. 
Yeah, for those of you who don't know Blotnick is, he's an attorney of uh, of some fame in New York. But those of you, those of you who don't think that the that the mafia is above suing people, uh, they do sue. I could personally attest to that because in my book, Undercover Cop, I was sued for fifty million dollars by a soldier in a northern New Jersey crew for me saying that he was a member of a northern New Jersey crew. He told. He told his attorney he was a born-again Christian and wouldn't even think of being involved with the mob, but we disproved that. But yes, they do sue. Yep. Yeah. Moving okay. right along. <laughs> Next I, I know we have so Karen. much mail. I want to get everybody's mail in. I'm oh, not, not being rude to the writers. <laughs> All right. Next is from Karen. Karen says, hi, I was looking through some photos by Steve Shapiro. <laughs> taken while on the set of The Godfather. I noticed that during the horrible and infamous Carlo and Connie beating scene, that a scene showing marital sexual assault was shot but cut from the final edit of the film. Was there any discussion on set about this? Who made that decision? From what I understand, that scene was purposely met to ratchet up the tension of the movie. I'm sure it must have been difficult for Gianni to film it, and I'm glad it was cut. Well, uh, I was glad it was cut at the time. It was the Census Bureau during that time. We've never seen so much violence as we're seeing now in modern day cinema. So now they're allowing a lot more. Why they wanted that scene cut was because she was a pregnant woman at the time. If she wasn't pregnant, they probably would have let it go. The good news is February 12th, 2022, you're gonna see that scene. <laughs> I never heard of that before. I yeah. never knew that that was, wow. Yeah there's, yeah, there's a couple of interesting scenes that I totally enjoyed doing, I'll have to tell you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. I was on. 26, well, I didn't know about nudity. Mm. <laughs> All right, next is from Lori. Lori says, I heard in an interview that Sonny Franzese was dating Marilyn Monroe at the time, the same time as RFK. She told RFK such, and ever since, the government has always been on Sonny Francis's back. Is it true that Sonny F. was around Monroe at the end of her life? Sonny was around her, but not with her. I love Sonny. I'm passed on. No, Sonny was around like everybody was around at that time, Marilyn. Marilyn was all over New York. And the mob, she loved being around mob guys. But I, I would say, knowing that she, I mean, not that... It would be below her to be with Sonny. She's with a lot of mobsters. But uh, I don't know that, and I, I was pretty close to her the last four years of her life. All right. Next one is from Tony. Tony says, fantastic life, Gianni. I salute you. My family lived across the street from the Gambinos in Massapequa, New York. I had already left for Vegas. I'm a musician, performed with scores of celebs, and was in the Las Vegas Hilton Orchestra all through the 70s. I got there via Tom Jones in 71. Presley featured me every night in his shows. I knew about several items you speak about in interviews from when I worked with Paul Anka in 76 as a side <laughs> job. He gave us the original copies of the Gemstone file. It's not about me, though. I just want to congratulate you on a life well lived and still living it. I purchased your book and can't wait to dig in. Well, thank you. Thank you. They were great days. I remember when, when the Hilton, before it was the Hilton, it was called the International Hotel, and a friend of mine, Kurt Kikorian, opened it and built it. And don't ask me how I know this, but the conductor that you played for was Jimmy Mullendore. <laughs> Wow. And what's ironic, names. my album, Reflections, that we just talked about, is conducted by Jimmy Mullador. I went full circle with him. Elvis loved him. Mm, very good. All right, next one is from John. John says, as you may have heard from Patrick Bet David's interview with Michael Francis, he also talked about where Jimmy Hoffa is. His answer is different from yours, and he says he's in a quote-unquote wet He's where? He's in jail serving life. In a wet place. Oh, I don't know. Everybody... And the shooter is in jail serving life. How much truth is there in his story? I, have, I would never contradict Michael or anybody else. They have their ideas. I have my facts. Whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> well put. Yeah, yeah. The next right. one is from Bill. Bill says, I'm curious if Gianni had has had any interactions with the Grim Re Reaper, Greg Scarpa. If so, what was he like to be around? Seems like a scary guy. Well, that whole Gemini crew was amazing. I mean, Roy, that, that, I mean, see, to me, that, I, didn't, I didn't know their business. I thought we, everybody thinks you know what they're doing. And we, you know, in our lifestyle and what they did, you know, it, it's, uh, there was no repenting. I knew them, you drank with them, and see you later. It's like, you know, I've, I've been questioned by I don't know how many people, even for my gaming license of knowing all the people I do know, even yet today. But, I, you know, I can't pick what professions they take. They happen to have vows at the end of their name, and we, I like them. I mean, there's so And these many. guys, though, uh, uh, that the Gemini crew, they, they were dangerous to themselves. They were dangerous to the organization. Oh, they yeah. Were just they had to Scarpa. be stopped, actually. Greg Scarpa, my God. You know, his, uh, uh, I think I, I mentioned this at the, at the beginning when we started the podcast. I got contacted by his daughter, uh, Little Linda. There was Big Linda and Little Linda, the mother and the daughter. Right, right, right. Uh, she wanted me to do a book on her father. Uh, and I did a lot of research, and there's been so much written about the guy. You know, I wanted to, you know, to, for it to get sold, I'd have to do it from a different perspective. And uh, I said, the only way that I, I can do it where it would be interesting, that hasn't been told before, was to do it from a family perspective, uh, from your perspective as, as his daughter. She loved her dad. He was, she was daddy's little girl. Right. But uh, she says, let me think about that. And I never heard from her. Yeah. Well, you know, who else his <laughs> daughter wrote a book, and I, I, I knew her, and everybody in Chicago went crazy. Sam Giancana's daughter wrote a book that she got almost almost got killed over it really how long ago oh my god soon after her father died oh has to be 20 30 years ago 40 years ago maybe more hmm. all right next one is from mike hey gianni mike from ireland i hope this is the mailbag firstly loved the book i listened to the audio and couldn't stop listening did you say ireland everybody. or island ireland Ireland. Wow, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, not that not Long Island. Not Long Island. That's why I wanted no, to make sure. No, 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 no. You know, she <laughs> she has that that famous uh, Philadelphia accent. <laughs> oh yes, of course. So beautiful. All right. Mike says, Pat, you're a fantastic writer. Megan, I could listen to your voice all day. Anyways, enough ass kissing. Now my question. <laughs> Gianni, what's your advice to somebody busting their ass trying to make it in the movie business as an actor, but also has dreams of produ producing, directing, anything? I know there's so much rejection. Is networking something I should focus on more? As I get from your book, you are a people's person, and that's what's gotten you this far in your career. I mean, even Pablo Escobar couldn't say no to you. You know, it's a great question, but what I got so lucky to do what I was doing early on in my life, the, the industry was totally different. Today, as we see it, it's so exploited. There's so many entertainment shows that lure people like yourself by the thousands. Unless you have some extraordinary story and script and have funding, all, all the knob hobbling and whatever you want to call it and mingling or whatever you said, those people are trying to do the same thing you're doing. I wouldn't even call any of them. I mean, get the story out there and follow your dream. It may happen. It may not. You have, to, right. be, you have to be lucky. Yeah, I mean, it's That's all true. luck, believe me. Yeah. All right. Next is from Marie. Marie says, hey, Gianni, how about some of your stories on, on Bill Clinton? I know you've got them. Love the podcast. Love you and the gang. You know, I do have a lot of stories about Bill Clinton. But while he's alive, and, and I still consider him a friend, that would be me talking out of school. I, I was very privileged a few times to be in this company. And I, you know, he has a daughter. I, why, why exploit it any more than it already has? You know, we have more stories about Clinton in, in, uh, in the book, if the, the right is concerned. But you're right, you can't, uh, he's a president, you know? Always be a president. Yeah, to me, I I, I still respect presidents, whether you like them or don't. 
it's part of my you know upbringing all right next one is from jeremy jeremy says hello i just wanted to drop a line and tell you all how much i loved your book and now the podcast i recommended the book to at least five friends everyone absolutely loved it also i was in vegas this last weekend and at the win there was a local lady there carrying on about everyone she knew etc etc so i said do you know gianni russo she did i'll tell you the story if you want best jeremy <laughs> oh okay he's leaving you hanging so that you, you guys can chat well for, first of all yeah i know but first of all my club i had 86 girls working for me so just my employees who who could that lady be <laughs> i was there for 30 years i don't know i don't know how old he is no the thing is i got most people don't realize i was there for 30 years for the first i would say 10 years nobody even knew i was there i got there in 59 and i left in 89 and i mean i was not there solid I was in them almost every other weekend for that many years. Wow. It's a, you know, mm. a big career. All right. Next is from Danny. Danny says, this isn't just mafia stories or cop stories. This is a piece of American history at its best, darkest, and at times its funniest. The team of RPH, Russo, Picciarelli, and Haran make this podcast a definite must listen. You can't just sit for one episode. If I have to go on an errand, I plug my phone into my car radio or take my earphones and listen to the podcast while I take care of business. Great job. I can hardly wait for the new episodes. God bless you guys and young lady. I like, oh, our, I like our new logo, RPH. RPH. <laughs> I love it. Me too. Perfect. Thank you. Very son. sweet. Thank you, Danny. All right. Next is from Deb. Deb says, does, does Gianni have any stories about Christopher Walken? Were they acquainted? I know Christopher Walken. I wasn't. I mean, we were acquainted. How could you not be? Christopher is like one of the old school guys and a brilliant actor, also. And we crossed our paths at the candy store. I was on so many places. I remember one night when uh, um, Jack Nicholson was dating Houston's daughter, Angelica. She, Angelica. And she opened. <laughs> A Latin club, and to see a bunch of white men dancing Latin, him being one of them, we were like a bunch of goofs learning the tango. <laughs> it was such a fun time. No, but they no, were, they were the great my, days. I used to buy my pastries from his uh, family bakery in Astoria, Walkins Bakery. Huh. Oh, yeah. oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, his aunt. Oh, that's funny. All right, next is from Lena. Lena says, Johnny and Patrick, who would you say is the scariest person you have ever encountered, mob-related or not? Wow. Jeez. See, these what are the type of things you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, yeah. met, I met some pretty scary guys, think? man. <laughs> well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of real guys out uh, there. Guys. Scary women, too, by the way. Well, I, you know, out, out of respect, probably one of the scariest gentlemen who was a mob guy, and if you just looked at him, you would know. I would say Anello Della Croco. His nickname, O'Neill. He was the underboss of the Gambino family. He was the mentor to John Gotti, and the reason John got so bent out of shape and killed Paul Castellano and Tommy Bellotti was because his mentor, he felt, was overshadowed and stepped over, and they made Paul Castellano the boss of the Gambino family. But anybody knew O'Neill, he was a gentleman, but ruthless. And he'd just look at you, and you would I tell know. You, if, if you look at him, <laughs> he scares the hell out of you. Yeah. Those eyes. What color, what color eyes did he have? He had like, gray-black eyes. They were like so different in color, but they were so deep in his head. But when he stood, when he took a, a stare at you, pack your luggage. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I spent 20 years in the NYPD, 
the, the, uh, the, the scary people uh, of, of Illuminous. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the guy who uh, stabbed me in the eye. He scared me. Oh, yeah, hello. Uh, I got, you were stabbed in the eye? Yeah, well, he stabbed me in the, uh, in the eye socket bone above the eye, and, the, and the, the, the point of the knife ricocheted or slipped down into my eye. But only very, very little. I had to wear a patch maybe for a month. But this guy was when, well, you're lucky, was, when did that happen and who was he? I was on Broadway. I was a sergeant and I responded to uh, a dispute. I was on Broadway in 90 something street and its cop was surrounded by a mob while watching him have an argument with, with some guy who was crazed. He was on something, uh, I'm thinking meth or something like that. He was just looked like he was going to explode at any minute. So I got between them, my first mistake, and he whipped out a knife and he cut me. And down I went. But by that time, there were four or five other cops on the scene, so he couldn't get any further. But, oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, hello. Yeah, I lost my eye. I couldn't uh, Not that I could see because of the damage to the eye. I couldn't see because of the blood in my eye. But, 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 the, but I, that's, good, that's good you have no damage. Wow. I'm, I'm, I still have the scar, but other than that. Yeah. No. Wow, I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah. yeah, it's the that first was, time I heard it, too. Right. All, right. All right. Next is from Jenny. Jenny says, Gianni, why did you ever take a break from acting? Did you did you get tired of it, or did you just want to focus on other things? Do you think you'll ever act again? I, I really, you know, I've had that question asked me many times. I really didn't take a break. You know, the, the motion picture business goes through different phases. Then there's these action-adventure movies and all that. And I guess I got so pigeonholed as a gangster Italian person. I tried to move out on that. I mean, Brett Ratner was very generous to me, giving me a lot of movies and comedies and Red Dragons and different uh, roles that I did play, even Family Man with Nicolas Cage. But, you know, I am a business person first, and if I have something going on, I always tell even my kids, God, uh, you know, being a movie actor is like if you can afford the best golf club in the world and join that then become an actor that means you have money to make a living <laughs> as an actor and my lifestyle i could never do it i always had businesses my business right. always came first that's like making a living as a writer exactly four percent of writers actually make a living at it four percent you know, so uh, the arts, if you're doing anything creative, the creative arts, very, very difficult to make a living. It's got to be a passion. Have good, years, have good years and bad years. You should always be able to do something else. Fortunately, Johnny is a good businessman. Me, yeah. I stick up, you know. Now, to me, I, I'm, I'm opening two more businesses this year. There you go. That's crazy. Anyway. All right, moving on. Next is from Christopher. I would love nothing more than to hear Gianni singing in person. I know you had done a few shows before quarantine. Gianni, what's the most recent update on your live shows? When do you think you'll get to do them again? Interesting you should ask. I'm doing one uh, on October 11th at Masuda's restaurant. And then I do have follow the roster of all the Mohegan Sun casinos and the properties they own. There's eight of them. And they're telling me now we could be back probably by April in casinos where they could have, you know, a thousand people, two thousand people. But, uh, you know, it's, it's that crazy out there. And the casinos don't want to bring in, they can't bring in, you know, how are they going to pay people and have 15 people in the audience? You can't do it. But fo follow what we're talking about, you'll know, in smaller venues, I'll do them. Like I'm saying, I'm doing a venue in uh, uh, Spring Lake in New Jersey at Mizuno's Restaurant. I don't know where you live, but come down. Hmm. All right. Next is from Gina. Gianni, I understand that you have spent many years in your apartment in New York City. What is it like? And I can imagine you have great taste in decorations. Can you give us a little description? Well, that, 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 that'll take a nine, 90 minute special now. No, I, I, my house is just my house. It's not anything great. There's some, some really great collectibles that people have given me. 
my bar alone. Well, Megan, you've been here. How would you describe it? I have. I would say that it's very, it's warm. It's eclectic. You have a lot of plants and animal print and, you know, warm colored walls. It's a, it's a nice space that you have going. Of course, the Don Corleone portrait is cool, too. Oh, I love that. That's my, <laughs> well, that, he started my whole life. My father-in-law, look, at, where would I be without him? <laughs> they told me I was out of the family business. Now I own it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's great. It's a warm yeah, 2,000 square foot space. Let's put it that way. I love it. I've spent a lot of time there. All right, next is from Jill. Patrick, I know you missed a couple episodes due to some sort of illness. How are you doing now? I was worried about you. Well, actually, I missed one episode. Uh, That's it. And I didn't want to do that. They, they, they took me away kicking and screaming. I wanted to be on it, but I was, I was in the hospital for some tests. They decided that I wasn't pregnant, so I got cut loose. <laughs> and I'm not. It was nothing serious. Just... Uh, and the only uh, reason we went ahead with that show is yeah, we, we had Nick Vallelongo, I think, it was booked. Oh, no, yeah, you had Steve Sharippa. And, uh, it was Sharippa and, and Vallelongo. Yeah, two guys that we've been waiting to get. And then Pat was called us in an emergency, basically. And so we decided to go on without him. We were, he was greatly missed. But we had to get these two guys when they had the time. Yeah, they have tight schedules. But don't, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't listen to the podcast once we do them. But I listen to those because I wasn't on them. But for those, those no. oh, good. For the, it's easier to listen when you're not on it. I the, find that for myself as well. For the people who aren't aware, we record two shows in a night. So when I say I, I miss one show, I actually miss two. That's right. They, yeah, it was well, one, one, one night of recording. Session. That's right. Yeah, they're recorded. Yeah. Uh, each one is recorded uh, uh, as two. So. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I tell you, I, that Steve Sharippa show uh, was really good. I mean, what stories. He's such a great guy. Yeah, what a nice guy. Yeah. You guys had a whole Vegas language going. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 All right, next one is from Pat. It's a little lengthy, so I'll get into it. Pat says, I've listened to all of your podcasts at least once. There are quite a few that I have listened to twice. Obviously, you three have tapped into something that is winning over a lot of people. Keep up the excellent work. This question is for Gianni and Patrick, mostly because they each have decades more of life experience over Megan. I'll take it. All right. In the movie, The Princess Bride, Vizzini, the Sicilian, challenged Wesley to a battle of the wits. Thinking he had outwitted Wesley, Vizzini is quoted as saying, ha ha, you fool. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders, the most famous of which is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Unfortunately, Vizzini's plan didn't go so well, but that's another story. My question for Gianni and Pat is if they can identify any other classic blunders to add to the two already identified by Vizzini. Thanks in advance. I, I saw this okay. bride came out in, the, in 1985, I believe it was. So I don't remember any of it, except it was, <laughs> it was good, it was a classic, and I liked it. What was the well, name of it? The Princess Bride. 1985? No. Something like that. 85, 86. And I, I never, I, I learned early on never to listen to a genie to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's always referred to, and there's always quotes from it. Uh, and it's on television all the time, but I just saw it that once. I, I never watched it again. Okay. So I, is it, worth, I, it, is it worth the watch? It's, it's worth a watch. Okay, I got maybe I'll look at it. So no it other classic blunders you guys can come up with? No. Classic wonders. wonders. We're, we are classic. We are three classic wonders. Here's freedom <laughs> right here. Yeah, fortunately, we're not blunders. Was he referring <laughs> from that movie or just classic blunders, period? Um, I'm assuming that have to do with Italians or being Sicilian or something like that. Oh, I... That's a broad subject yeah, that people make mistakes all the time. Yeah, well, I like that guy. You and I were talking about this last week, John. Uh, you were there. You, you were there too, man. Uh, that uh, Sicilian uh, mafioso who was in court on trial, and he got pissed off at uh, at his lawyer and bit his finger off and swallowed it. I know. I can't believe that. That's just. Would that be considered a classic? That yeah. was just hungry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. 
He must have been really hungry. Uh, he must have been really pissed off at his attorney. But to swallow it. That too. Well, he chewed wow. it and swallowed it. That's, I don't, so is I, that considered cannibalism? That, right. It definitely yeah. is, yeah. Well, they can add that charge. So is he like, adding that? Are they adding that charge? Like, like, like four life terms and they brought him up on something else, you know. Why? But wow. Yeah, he, he ate his lawyer's finger. That's scary. That is unfortunate. Yeah. That's what his lawyer said. Yeah, hello. <laughs> well, on that note, that is all I have for tonight. Oh, we got we to gotta close with something better than somebody eating a finger. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> Just say something nice and we'll wrap it up. Well, it's, well, you know what's nice? It's, it's nice that we're getting so much attention from all over the world. Yeah. And that's a big compliment know, to the three of us. Nice. And we really appreciate it. We want our audience to know. I mean, talk it up. Without you, we won't be here. And we don't want to go anywhere. So please, if you're enjoying it, we enjoy it. Promote it. And uh, we'll talk to you Keep next week. sending us questions. We'll yeah, see please. you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here, announcing the release of the second book in the Ray Yale Private Investigator series titled Pop Line. In this outing, Yale journeys to Pennsylvania to help a deceased friend's sister who has been charged with the murder of her police officer husband. An outsider doesn't sit well with the local cops and Pittsburgh organized crime figures, which leads Yale down a treacherous path of deception, murder, and a crime so ingenious that it has never been duplicated in mystery fiction. Popline is available exclusively on Amazon.com.